There's a place in the world that will never be the same because of you. At St. Mary's University of Minnesota, we'll prepare you for that place. You will launch a new career or grow your current career because of your St. Mary's education. One that is personal, practical, and provides purpose to drive your decisions as you move from making a living to making your best life. And throughout your journey, we will be there as you set out for a destination that will never be the same because of you. St. Mary's University of Minnesota, because of you. From St. Mary's University of Minnesota, you're listening to St. Mary's Currents. I'm your host, Ben Rogers. Well, folks, we're officially living in what tech experts refer to as the artificial intelligence or AI boom. Artificial intelligence, AI, is changing the rules affecting nearly every aspect of our lives. After decades of trying, companies have learned to train it very quickly on huge amounts of our data. We take you inside the company called OpenAI, Artificial Intelligence, their new technology, GPT-4. And even if you haven't heard of it, how it could soon affect your life. Once thought to be a thing of the future, AI is here and is creating concern and intrigue in the fields of education, business, and technology. This technology is still so new. It comes with plenty of unknowns, and it raises some very big questions about plagiarism and cheating, which is why some schools have actually banned it. But other schools are now incorporating ChatGPT into their lesson plans. Nobody had any idea that like 100 million people would start using these things. And nobody really has a full sense of what that's going to mean, either on the plus side or the downside. Today on St. Mary's Currents, we discuss AI's impact on the workforce and workforce development with Michael Rutajczak, a professor and program director for St. Mary's Business Intelligence and Data Analytics Program. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate having you on for our first episode back for the season. First, could you introduce yourself and tell our listeners a bit about your background and your areas of academic interest? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show here. So my name is Michael Ratajczyk. I've been with St. Mary's for 10 years. I'm a full-time faculty member, but I'm also a full-time program director. Don't ask me how that can happen. Um, and I'm working on the final stages of my PhD in artificial intelligence. I'm in the dissertation phase, but even more so, I got all my data back a couple weeks ago and I've been analyzing it and I'm getting ready to wrap up the final chapter here. As a faculty member, I teach in the business intelligence program, which is one of our largest majors, but also a program director of business intelligence with certificates in artificial intelligence, business analytics, and healthcare. And that area is one of our largest programs at the graduate level as well. Very nice. Uh, Now, Michael, knowing that you work in data analytics, I have to ask a question. We've heard reports of a certain vanity license plate around Winona, big data. Can you go on the record and confirm, are you big data? Yes, yes, that's me. Uh, Yes, and the funny thing you mentioned is uh, I've actually gone to our marketing department a couple of times and said, hey, can I get comped for this? Because I'm pretty sure that when prospective students come on campus and they see that thing, 
I'm, I'm confident that it seals the deal that this is the right place for him. <laughs> All right. Well, again, I really appreciate having you on today. Let's dive into the topic. As I mentioned, you know, there's a lot involving the subject of AI. So I'm really glad that we decided to focus on workforce development and the technology's impact there. You know, AI was once a topic mostly discussed and used in the tech sector. That just isn't the case anymore. Uh, you know, as someone who has studied this field for a while now, uh, what have you seen when it comes to AI and its prevalence in different industries? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I want to say regarding workforce development is St. Mary's just won a National Science Foundation grant to launch our Center for Business Analytics, a dream and a passion that I've been working on for ever since I got here Absolutely. 10 years ago. I came from industry, worked internationally on analytics and the like. So when I think of workforce development, it, this all could not come at a more perfect time uh, in terms of the Center for Business Analytics, but also artificial intelligence and the fact that the world has now entered the AI era. Now, we had the big data era. You mentioned my license plate. You know, when I finish my doctorate, I think I'll put uh, Dr. AI on my wife's car. <laughs> but just the idea that pretty much everything we do can be supported by artificial intelligence tools now. Right. There's some issues with accuracy and access, but that's what we're doing moving forward, is looking at how AI tools can support us or, in some cases, eliminate us. Right. So what I want to bring us back to or focus on first is artificial intelligence has been around for a long time. What really happened last November, so November 2022, OpenAI, an organization, opened up ChatGPT for anybody and everybody to access. So that's what really kickstarted this last 12 months of the boom of AI. So ChatGPT, as an example, in terms of how it's impacting the workforce and workforce development, is a tool where you can ask it a prompt and it will bring back information at its bare bones level. However, it's impacting the workforce now because people are finding more sophisticated ways to ask it questions or ask for information, such as writing marketing copy, analyzing data, clarifying sentences, spell check, or just giving it a one-sentence prompt and asking it to write a thousand words about it. So generating massive content. And so the workforce is trying to respond to that, either use the tool or fear the tool. So now with AI's rise, how is technology impacting job roles in workforce development? In terms of roles, you're seeing people that are using ChatGPT or some of these other tools like MidJourney or Dolly, which are graphic tools, they're using them to generate and enhance marketing copy. They're using them to create just new things like images and things like that, clean up images, redesign images. I spend a lot of time in some of the software and you can see what other people are working on. And whether it's a cartoon or an ultra high definition photo that they're generating or they're bringing in a photo that they've taken, and using it with the AI tool to modify it, enhance it. Without a graphic designer, without a photo editor, they're able to start doing these things. So that is definitely impacting the workforce. Now, we don't all want to think about the negative. I have talked to many graphic designers about this at Chamber of Commerce meetings and the like, and they said, actually, this is a good thing for me because I can move faster now. I can produce my logos, I can produce right. my work faster, talk to my clients more, get more clients, and or better understand their needs instead of sitting there all day in Photoshop and Illustrator and and, and the like. 
And I think that's interesting. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about this, but right, I hear a lot of people say it's a tool, right? Not a replacement, mm-hmm. yep. right? That's kind of the thing there. Right. I, I do think there's a danger though in letting our guard down yeah. and just using that language and just sleeping <laughs> at night because the fact is, you know, I, I come from business discipline, you know, yeah. and the one thing you have to know about business is business finds a way to make money. Grow your profits, grow your revenue, grow your profits. And so if you're using it as a tool now, but you're thinking, man, if I up the ante or if I invest a little bit more in these tools, eventually that's going to replace a lot of my workers. Right. Interesting you bring that up because that's kind of the next question. You know, a a recent New York Times article stated that office jobs— are now more at risk because of AI. Originally, automation was more concerned about industrial work and that kind of stuff, but now there seems mm-hmm. to be you know, a fear among office workers. You know, I also can't help but think AI was a major issue in the 148-day Writers Guild strike that was recently resolved this fall. But on the flip side of that, the World Economic Forum also found in 2020 that by 2025, AI will likely create 97 million new jobs in fields ranging from big data, machine learning, information security, and digital marketing. So how is AI affecting different types of jobs when it comes to job displacement or job creation? I mean, what are we seeing right now? (laughs) So let me give you an example of of how I'm using ChatGPT and AI right now, and that can be extrapolated to those office workers. So right now, I get emails from people, or I need to write emails. Sometimes I go into ChatGPT, tell it what I want to write, and I'll have it come back with a beautiful paragraph, two paragraphs. I, of course, read it over. You know, that's dangerous not to to read what the machine does for you. Of course. But more often than not, it's faster. It's more accurate than what I can type with spell check, or I misplaced a comma here. And, you know, now take that into the office worker space, who's working with colleagues and like, They could be using this tool for the same purpose, but eventually, if you think about what humans are talking about in an office job, here's the data that I looked at, or here's what I discovered from the report, or here's what the top customer's spend is. That's all going to be provided instantly by one coworker, not two. One coworker just asking the question of the machine. Not needing sophisticated tools. What was the top selling customer last month? Typing that into the computer and getting your answer. So that's going to change the workforce dynamic. You don't need two people communicating with each other back and forth about information or business performance. So that's one thing. In regards to job creation, there's a lot of new opportunities. I was looking on LinkedIn the other day about new positions out there called senior prompt engineer. Not prompt engineer or entry-level prompt engineer, but senior. Now, your audience might not know what a prompt engineer is. A prompt engineer is somebody that can articulate commands. ChatGPT or mid-journey commands or other AI tools where you type what you want. It's somebody that knows the tool enough to ask the questions in the correct way or to have the tool do something in the correct way. So for example, somebody might say, summarize the following article. A prompt engineer might say, summarize the following article in terms of XYZ and limit it to XYZ, you know, with some constraints mixed into that prompt. That's a prompt engineer being able to ask the AI tool information in a very synthesized and precise way. It's because if I just ask you the question, summarize the following, 
I'm going to be there all day trying to refine that. Where a prompt engineer, somebody that's experienced with that stuff, will be able to get it right the first time. We'll be right back in a minute. At St. Mary's University of Minnesota, our student success is at the heart of all we do. If you're ready to grow, to get an education that's future ready, and to go beyond making a living to making a life, St. Mary's is ready for you. Just like Emmy Johnson, Vice President and Chief Security Officer at Alina Health. I made the decision to go to St. Mary's for a plethora of reasons. One, I wanted to be able to see myself in the community as being a student. And the idea of going to a large university where thousands and thousands and thousands of people went to campus was a bit overwhelming to me. And so when I made the decision to go to St. Mary's, I wanted to be able to step in and be a part of the community. And the faculty, my fellow students welcomed me and I felt a sense of belonging right away, right as I began my undergraduate degree. The world will change for the better because of you. To learn more about St. Mary's University of Minnesota and start your journey, learn more at smumn.edu. So knowing that AI will be a, you know, an important part of the workforce, what skills are becoming more valuable in an AI-driven market? Yes, absolutely. Believe it or not, and this is gonna sound very contrary, people will need to start learning to talk to people again. You know, with the pandemic, you know, we went to Zoom and texting and online ordering for pizza and all this other technology that we now get to avoid talking to people. The human interaction, the skills, the soft skills are going to be so much more needed. The stuff that used to take a long time, the tech stuff, you know, you'll be able to do that with a button. You'll be able to tell the computer to do it for you. But truly understanding what your customer wants or what your supplier is asking about that's the human connection that is not going to get replaced. So I predict that companies are going to start valuing personability, soft skills, all those kinds of things more than checkmarking whether you know this programming language or not. So with this technology being used more and more in the workforce, what is the importance of a continuous learning and upskilling in the age of AI? Yeah, so that's a great question because we still are talking about technology technology always changes. You know, in my field, every day I have to keep my nose to the grindstone, understanding what the new tech is, what the new techniques are. I don't get to just sit back, drink coffee, and go home at three. So there's always new technology. There's new ways to do things. OpenAI, the group that built ChatGPT, recently opened up the opportunity for anybody to develop AI-based apps. They give them the tools, the technology, and now you can go do that. So how do you do that, though? You're going to have to learn a little bit. You're going to have to understand your audience, planning, user interface, why people would want your app. So it's very exciting times now, but also we just started. You know, like I said, AI has been around for a long time. However, it hasn't even been out for a year in a democratized way. 
and it's already going gangbusters. I'm speaking twice a month to Chamber of Commerce, to entrepreneurs, to other universities and schools, higher education, about all of these changes that are coming. And the conversation has changed since last April. I do a poll at all these events. How many of you have used XYZ tool? And you have people, 20%, you know, but not really. I just opened it. And now you have people that are using it pretty much every moment of their day, creating YouTube videos, creating descriptions for those videos, titles, going into MidJourney or another application that has stock video and blending that automatically with other stock video and creating content. Mm, Absolutely. So again, as you mentioned earlier, for the longest time, this was something being discussed in the technology sector a lot. But what kind of applications are there for AI for people who don't necessarily work in the tech industry? And why should people who may be thinking, well, this isn't something I'm going to be using in my day-to-day, consider learning how to use AI? Yeah. So I have an international business career. I've done business intelligence in multiple countries. And I remember talking to an ice cream shop owner in Winona, Minnesota, and talking about globalization, the price of ice cream and things like that talking about China, talking about different impacts. And it's like, I don't need to deal with that. I get my ice cream from an American supplier. I'm like, that is true, but that American supplier is selling to China, selling to other countries. You might be importing the ice cream cones from another country. So yes, you are affected by global economics, international trade. So extrapolate that to AI. People that might say, hey, I'm just a baker. I work at McDonald's. Well, guess what? Any repetitive step that a human being does is susceptible to AI replacing it. Whether it's at first simple measurements, automatically giving you the correct measurements to drop into the cake or whatever you're baking, or to put the right amount of ketchup on a bun, whatever it is, that's just a start. So people should be paying attention to this, even if they're convinced in their own mind that it's not impacting them. So it is so important for people to pay attention to this. That's why I said earlier, we're in the era of AI. This isn't just a ditch-to-ditch, a flavor-of-the-month thing. It's here. Businesses are finding ways to use it. They're finding ways to monetize it. They're finding ways to optimize their business. Right. So we mentioned kind of the impact on potential job displacement. But what are other major concerns of this technology moving forward? And how do we mitigate those Mm -hmm. issues? One of the big ones is, of course, the E-word, ethics. So before I talk about ethics, I want to talk about the B word, bias. So we have to think about how, and and I'm going to nerd out here because this is my field. Have at it. (laughs) And this is said one of our more popular majors on campus and in graduate programs. So a lot of students have interest in this and are learning about this. These AI models are built based on what you feed them. So there's that expression, junk in, junk out. If you feed it junk, you'll get junk out. So giving it a healthy diet In other words, not biased towards one way or the other or towards inaccurate information or something along those lines is how you feed it. So when I say bias, first of all, you have to understand that what you're feeding it could be biased. And then your ethics comes in and says, does that matter to me? Some people, it doesn't matter. There are some AI tools out there that have guardrails, such as you can't use profanity, you can't produce certain types of images, But then there are other tools out there that have no guardrails, and you can produce whatever you want. You can get back what you want, curse words, whatever, vulgarity, images, nudity, whatever. So there's a whole world to unpack here now. I liken it to 
back when 3D printers came out and people started learning ways to make products that they could not buy in the store. Good products at first, but then started to think, oh, I need a background check in order to make this. Right. I'm just going to make it at home and then sell it. Or I need this to perform a certain way, but it's illegal. So I'm going to make something that allows me to circumvent that. Right. It's called jailbreaking and it's, it's in AI too. Okay. Is there a concern about accuracy? I remember hearing a story about a lawyer who was potentially being disbarred because they had ChatGPT write a legal brief and ChatGPT cited cases that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So are there concerns about accuracy as well? Yes, absolutely. When it first came out, there was a big hype. This is a natural hype cycle. Everybody's excited at first and then their expectations calm down. But then there's a second wave of hype. You know, we're starting to get to that second wave of hype with OpenAI launching that store. But regarding accuracy, again, junk in, junk out, but also the algorithm itself at first isn't able to differentiate certain syntax, context, linguistics. That's why now you have ChatGPT 4 instead of ChatGPT 1. All right. It keeps coming out with more because, again, this is about making money. Let's not confuse this. People want to make money off of these AI tools, so they do want them to be more accurate. They want them to be more precise. Now, regarding the legal field, I shared this with the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce back in April because that was the same concern. Accuracy, um, trademarks, and copyright infringement. Right. And I said, look, open AI is a business. As much as they want to democratize AI and proliferate it, they still charge a subscription to help pay their bills right. for the high-quality upgraded stuff. And you have competitors out there. Here is what's going to happen, and you are seeing it now. Now, this was back in April when I was telling them about this, but you're seeing it now. You're seeing people come out, like me or, or others, who are making chat GPT or large language models, generative AI models, tools, that focus on a particular industry now. Instead of open AI being about everything, now you're getting people like me focusing on feeding the tool, their own tool that they've made, only law text. And they're hiring 10 to 20 lawyers. Talk about workforce displacement. Now, instead of hiring lawyers to do court cases, they are hiring lawyers to evaluate the AI model that they built, wow. test it. Okay. So, you know, as you mentioned, we're living in the age of AI. You also mentioned St. Mary's Business Intelligence and Data Analytics. You know, as one of our larger programs, when you look at the amount of students enrolled, both undergraduate and graduate, how is St. Mary's navigating through the age of AI, and how are we preparing our students to be ready for this age? Well, great question. As I mentioned before, I'm wrapping up my PhD in artificial intelligence. This was before ChatGPT became popular. So I had to learn about AI the old-fashioned way. Right. Real research, real digging into things. And now everything's popular. Everybody's talking about it, you know. And so personally, I've led faculty workshops on campus, talking about ChatGPT and other tools and working with our curriculum team to provide information to faculty based on the reality that students will be using these tools right. for good, bad, and the ugly, you know? Right. And so we need to be prepared and we need to decide as a faculty, are we going to allow, are we going to regulate, or are we going to ban? And our university decided to let that be the decision of the particular faculty member for the particular course that they're teaching. So that's one way that we're responding to it. Now, in regards to student use, we actually just won a National Science Foundation grant to launch a center for business analytics. And what this will allow us to do is 
strengthen our curriculum across the board. They don't have to be a business student to get some of the benefit of learning more about AI and analytics now. Also, workforce development is the second thing. What that means is it's a two-way street, building partnerships to increase internships for students, but also creating workshops, seminars, boot camps for industry people to come onto campus. So if you want to talk about workforce development and upskilling, that's what this grant is going to allow us to do, is really start to help make an impact in our community, especially in the spirit of the LaSallean charism, of meeting people where they're at, going into the communities and helping out. Well, Michael, I think this has been a very insightful conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. St. Mary's Currents is a production of the St. Mary's University of Minnesota Office of Marketing and Communication. It is produced by Ben Rogers and Ashley Beeson. It is recorded, edited, and engineered by Jeffrey DeMarsh. Our theme music is by Will Van de Cromer. I'm Ben Rogers. We'll see you next time for St. Mary's Currents. Separate yourself from the rest and take your career to the next level with an online degree from St. Mary's University of Minnesota. Nationally ranked and fully accredited, our programs are student-centered with faculty that infuse practical career experience into their teaching and engage in their disciplines. Set your own schedule with our flexible online platform and access your coursework anywhere. With our selection of affordable online degree programs, promising career opportunities will follow. Explore what's next at St. Mary's University of Minnesota.